to worship. Uh, you know, the video we just saw here just demonstrates that the human nature is drawn towards something, you know, bigger than us, something we aspire to be, something we believe we never can be, something that's exceptional in our purview. And uh, it, it, you just study human nature, and it's, it's, it's self-evident. We were made to worship. Uh, you know, let me take it a step further. I'll show you three images here, and um, there are clues in each of these images who's being worshipped. Uh, it gets a little more apparent as they go on, but take a look at this first one. And you can see this girl in the middle. She's got the shirt. She's wrecked. Let's look at the next one. Uncontrollable. Think you're getting there. And the third, video, the third one. Look at the girl on the right. I got to get that headband. The Biebs. Now, he's great. Justin Bieber is great. Okay, I don't mean anything. And just before some of you guys, and actually some of you girls, get too self righteous about it, I can't believe that. Let me just say this football season. Right. So we were made to worship. And I'll just share, I want to share with you honestly uh, an experience I had. I've had a couple experiences where I've run into people that in my mind are like, you know, otherworldly almost. And um, in those moments, I don't fare very well, honestly. Um, And so uh, the guy that I ran into, his name is Dan Huff. Most of you probably have no idea who he is. Um, So Dan Huff uh, was originally, and this is, again, when I was in my 20s, so so years back, uh, Dan Huff uh, was in this band called Whiteheart, a Christian, Christian rock band that came out. And he did a couple records with them. And then after he played with them for a couple records, he, uh, he left that band. He formed a band called Giant. And uh, Giant put out a few records. And he had some, you know, a couple hits, pretty, pretty successful. He left that band and became uh, a studio musician, okay? Now, this guy is, like, as far as, you know, I love music. And it's just one of God's gifts to me. Uh, and... and uh, Music is a gift to me. And, and so this guy is just like amazingly, amazingly talented. Um, so much so that three times he's been awarded the Musician of the Year by the CMAs. Okay, they don't give that out easily. People don't win it like that. He did. And uh, he, as, when he was a studio musician, he, he listened to this. He's played like for Michael Jackson. Okay, that's cool. Madonna, pretty cool. Uh, he's played for uh, uh, Lone Star, getting more interesting, Megadeth. I mean, uh, he's played, you, you named, oh, George Benson hired him. I mean, how good do you have to be for George Benson to say, I need a good guitar player. Can you play on my record? I mean, this guy is the top of the heap. And then after he was done being a studio musician, he moved on uh, to be this producer of records, okay? Now... He was exceptional at that as well. He, he, twice he's been awarded Producer of the Year by the Country Music Association. And uh, he's produced records for Rascal Flatts, Carrie Underwood, Keith Urban, Faith Hill, you know, Hunter Hayes. This guy, Hunter Hayes, he's, he's like the top of the top in this world. So uh, this, again, back uh, a few years ago... Let's just say it that way. A few years ago, uh, I was in this band, and we were on this six-month tour. We were hoping to get signed, and at the end of the tour, we were doing a showcase concert for record labels. 
Uh, and uh, it was really interesting. We played at this club called the Club of Aces. And one thing you need to know about Nashville is, like, everyone is, like, a really famous, you know, who's, you go to a restaurant, they're probably famous. Like, they're probably playing with someone famous. So we're playing at this club, and uh, there's a band after us. But the showcase is set up where the record labels come, and they, they like, evaluate whether they think you're going to be a good, good investment for them. And so uh, at ours, it was just kind of funny. Warner Brothers was there, and they're sitting there, and they all have, like, these, like, letter jackets, you know, like, high school letter jackets with the leather sleeves and the felt or whatever that is, with a big Warner thing. And they come in, they've got their, like, books and clipboards, and they sit in a straight line with their pens and, you know, kind of write down notes about whether we could make it or not. Anyway, so we play. We get done. It was uh, kind of an interesting experience at that. We get done and uh, clear our stuff off. There was a band that was going to play after us. It was actually already kind of making it. And so I go walking around the side uh, of the stage to go out to where the seats were. And in walks Dan Huff, like face to face. So, because I'm so good in the moment, I say, you're Dan Huff. <laughs> I wanted him to be sure that he knew who he was, because clearly he might not have known. <laughs> Step one, good move. And then I go, I'm a big fan. <sighs> and then I stared in a stalker manner, saying nothing. I was just so starstruck. And he, just credit to him, he was a super cool, gentle, uh, accommodating. You just, hey, well, great. I saw some of your show. I really like, you know, he's super, super friendly. But in that moment, I did terribly. So I just want to say um, every person has this level at which we can become starstruck and we start almost to get to this point of worship. But I want to read a verse to you that I find very interesting. We find it in Romans chapter 1. It says this. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. We were created to worship, but we were created to worship God alone. And the problem occurs when we exchange what we were supposed to worship for something we weren't supposed to worship. And I'm really excited to share with you today because in this series, uh, we got to just pick a topic and share from our heart. So I'm excited to share with you because I'm talking about worship today. And specifically, I want to talk about this worship experience, musical worship that we, have, that we get to share together in. And I'll, I want to look at three specific aspects that I think are key essentials to proper worship of God. The first is the source, understanding the source of our worship. Second, understanding what our response to that source ought to be. And third, why do we worship together? Those are the three things that I want to look at. And let me just ask you this. Have you... I want to see hands in this. How many of you have had that experience where you've run into someone or you've encountered someone that, that is so, you know, epic in your mind where you've, you've been starstruck? Come on, let me see hands. And you, your body involuntarily did something or you started crying or you, like, acted like me. Anyone? Come on. Come on. Six people. <laughs> two, two, well, you're just kind of fortunate. Two, yeah. So, um, but let me ask you another question. Probably a deeper question. Have you ever had that experience as it relates to God? 
where you feel like you've encountered him so significantly, you're wrecked and your emotions run away with you or you freeze or, you, or, 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 or your body responds in such a way that it's kind of out of your control. See, the reason I ask that question is because I believe we should. Our soul longs and craves worship of God. The problem is if we're not careful and we're not worshiping God, we find something else to replace him. So I want to look at these three things, the source, the response, and why we worship together. And I want you to know there are four reasons why we praise and worship God. The first is this, because of who he is. Again, I said this sort of already, but the problem for many of us is, is that, you know, we live in such a fast-paced culture. Do you guys feel like you live life without a clutch? You're just jamming the gears and moving from one thing to the next. I feel like in my days, I'm like landing in meetings, just finishing another meeting. I'm trying to just get my brain engaged with where I am. And I think we live life that way, kind of. Drive through everything, you know. If the drive through takes six minutes, we're like completely frustrated. Like, how could it take six minutes? You know, and so we live like that, and I think we also live in this selfie culture where we're so focused on ourselves that we don't actually notice what's around us, and primarily God. And the problem with that is if you don't stop and take time to notice and understand and realize who God is, you have a truncated, ruined version, smalled up version of who God is in your life. And I want to share with you, just as we start here, an experience that we find in, in the book of Isaiah with this, with this guy named Isaiah, where he has one of those Biebs moments before God, where he is completely ruined. All right? We pick it up in Isaiah uh, chapter 6. And it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the entire temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Let me just say this. So if you come here on a Sunday and you see smoke on the stage, I don't want to hear about it, okay? This is godly. Joking. Anyway, the, the temple was filled with smokes. Woe with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Literally, what we just saw on the video screen is what happened in this man's life, not because of a U2 concert, but because he got a glimpse of an an amazing God. And I want you to know two things about what make God amazing. The first is this. He is infinitely awesome. Infinitely, I don't mean like awesome. I mean awesome. Awe, deserving our awe. And Isaiah got a firsthand viewing of that. And the very thing that happened is he realized God's awesomeness and his impurity. Because when you see God's awesomeness, you can only see yourself as impure. And so if we don't stop and recognize who God is, 
just as who he is. I don't mean things he's done for you. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just who he is, we will never be able to fully engage with our worship. See, but here's what's interesting. Not only is he completely awesome, infinitely awesome, but he's intimately approachable. Look at this verse in Psalm 145. It says this, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. Okay, not only is he completely awesome, infinitely awesome, he's intimately approachable. Let me just say it this way. If God is as awesome as he is, but he was distant, he's as useless as if he was super caring, but unable to do anything about it. See, but that's what's beautiful about God. He's not only completely awesome, he cares. What does it say here? He fulfills the desires. He is near to you. He hears your cries. He saves you, and he watches over you. That combination of awesome and approachable is what makes him different than anything else in the universe. When you take time to focus on whom God is, it helps us understand our significance in relationship to him. And here's what's interesting. If you're not careful and you don't have a proper context by which we understand who God is, we start to assume that our life is the result of our own life. What do I mean by that? What I mean is this. We start to take credit for what's happening in our life. I told the first, first service, I have a, I just, I'm telling you, I have a really, really, I'm so grateful. I have a really, really awesome wife. If I'm not careful, I start to think things like, because I'm such a catch. <laughs> As opposed to, because God gave me an awesome wife in response to prayer. We start to think things like I'm super successful because I'm smart and I worked hard in school as opposed to God put opportunities in front of me that I was able to take advantage of. But here, here's what's even maybe more dangerous or at least as dangerous is that if we're not careful, we can become despairing of life because if we're dependent on our own abilities, we may have missed something critical to our own success. That's really problematic. If all of our success in life is dependent on who I am and who you are, you've just limited your possibilities. Second thing, not just who he is, but let's look at what he's done. And I want to take a look at, again, Psalm 145. It says this, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. That's pretty great right there. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and the wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Okay, I want you to understand something that we find here in the verses that you can skip over if you're not careful. Israel had a practice of recounting the greatness of who God was and passing on to next generations. 
They would recount. When, oftentimes when they came together to worship God, it was just a recounting of the historical movements of God, releasing them from Egyptian slavery and crossing the Red Sea and the walls of Jericho falling down and crossing the Jordan River and on and on and on. They would go just talking about these great things. And let me ask you something in your, it, just personally. Do you have a regular practice of thinking of the things God has done in your life? Because one sure way to keep you from taking credit for what God has done is to focus on all of those things. And I can think back when I do this about different ways that God has intervened. Sometimes he's kept things from happening to prevent me from being somewhere I shouldn't be. Other times he's blessed me. I don't even know why to be in places I shouldn't be in a good way. And I'll tell you this too. We have just a few copies of these two books. I can't recommend them highly enough. In our bookstore today, you can buy them. They're not expensive. One is called Praise Habit and 31 Days of Praise. And it's just a way of training your mind to constantly be in the habit of praising the source. If we can get ourselves into a place where we're praising the source, we're in such a good place. And we don't have Biebs moments. We have moments with God. The third thing is pretty straightforward, not only uh, who he is, not only what he's done, but we're just flat out told to, and I could read hundreds of verses probably from the Bible that say this, but it says this, 1 Chronicles 16, 9, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Sing to God and tell of his wonderful acts. Really simple. The fourth thing is this, and I want you to not miss this moment. This is super significant, that we meet with God when we worship him. Okay, let me look at this verse. Psalm 22:3, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Say what? He inhabits your praises. The word for inhabits in the Hebrew is yashab, and it actually, it's a word used uh, to, with marriage, to inhabit together. Uh, it's a word uh, that means uh, to meet with. It, it means uh, uh, settle. It mean, it, it just all the, like, so, so to have communion and unity with. So here's what I want you to understand. If we're not in a place where we're regularly where God is communing, we're not going to be able to have communion with him. And I want to share, this is, this is really interesting to me. I, I just, I don't, I want you to know, I don't take for granted. I, I hear this all the time, and I just want to say this with all humility before God, how honored and blessed K2 is to have the talent we have. Technically, I mean, uh, Nelson is just off the charts, amazing, gifted God, ordained speaker, and our musicians are great also. Yeah, yeah, thank I, but I tell you that because I want the band to come forward. We're going to do something a little bit different today. I want to talk about the different things. And after each of those three points, I want to spend time actually responding in worship. And I just want to share with you a quick, quick little story that happened this week. This is Thursday as I was, you know, kind of writing my message. I was right here at this point. And the way I write, I, t- I tend to go through my stuff and I gather all my notes and I start trying to organize it. And uh, I was right here at this point. 
And, I, and then what I have to do is I have to step away and kind of let my brain filter some stuff and go do something else for, you know, 20 minutes and come back. And so this is Thursday, you know, 1 o'clock or something like that. And so uh, I, say that about, I say that about the talent here because Daniel here, he, he's working on a great record. And uh, I'm getting the chance to work with him on this, like in terms of mixing it. And I'm so excited. It's amazing when it comes out. You have to buy it, okay? So sales pitch, I get commission. Anyway, so... Um, Right? Commission? Yeah? <laughs> Undecided. Uh, anyway, um, so, I'm, so I step away from my notes, and I, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to uh, send off uh, a rough mix to Daniel so he can hear this. And up until this point, all I had done is the musical instruments, all, you know, drums and bass and guitars and stuff like that. There weren't any voices in it. And I'm like, okay, so I get it all mixed. I'm like, well, let me, oh, you know what? Before I do this, let me just, let me just I hadn't even listened to the lyric yet. Like, let's just, let's just bring the voice in the mix so when I send it to him, he has reference as to what's going on. So I pull up the voice, and I start hit play, and, and I'm, like, listening. And this beautiful expression of the infinite nature of God is exactly what this song is. So I immediately, I'm like, Daniel, this is exactly what we're talking about. And I would love for our community to be able to hear from your heart how you see the, the, the infant or the, the, the awesome nature of who God is, the infinite nature of who he is from your own heart. Would you mind sharing this? He's like, sure, I'll do it. So what we're going to do right now, and I just want to kind of set you up for the next few minutes. Daniel's going to sing this song. I think you'll be singing by the end. It's so beautiful. But I want you to focus your mind on understanding the source that we're talking about. And then we're going to take a few more minutes, and we're going to be able to worship God. And if you've never done this before, do not just sing songs right now. I want you to think and picture and envision this God that we're singing about as we take this, these next few moments to respond to the source.
does my soul well. You know, um, so that's the source. We're singing about this God who's infinitely powerful and approachable and wants to meet with us when we have this moment of praise together. And the question for me, the next logical question then is, so what should our response be? And I want you to understand that worship always has been and always will be a hugely significant part of what God calls us to. Do you, I don't know if you realize this, the creation of the universe is one chapter, 31 verses. And then starting in, in Exodus chapter 20, he spends seven chapters talking about the, the uh, construction of the temple where they would worship and all of the uh, different practices that he wanted to see and the regulations around how the people of Israel were to worship. So you can even see priority of God's word, how important worship is. And so what should our response be once we understand that, once we understand who he is? Because worship is a natural response to that which cap has captured our hearts. It could be the Biebs or it could be God. But we worship naturally out of the response of what fills our hearts. And praise is connecting our affections and emotions with the object of our worship. So I want to talk with you just really quickly. I want to share three different categories of worship that I believe there are. And there are probably more, but three broad categories that we can fit things into. And the first is this, the category I call, I will look to you. Look at Psalm 95, 6 and 7. It says this, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. The first thing I want, want to... You notice, what, what's the response of this worshiper? Come, let us kneel. Now, if you weren't here two weeks ago, Sally Townsend gave just a really, really amazing message about our response of reverence before God. Again, you cannot be reverent of God until you understand who he is. If you missed that message, go back, watch it. 
Just, just go on, you know, on our app or whatever, go on the website, and you'll be able to watch it. Just amazing. But physically, what happens in that moment is we physically express with our bodies what our heart is feeling. That's kneeling down. Why do we kneel down? Out of reverence. We just say, I bow in respect to you. Another one, though, we see Psalm 134 says this. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. So this is an attitude of praising God. And so wherever you, I don't know where you, you know, where every person obviously is in their spectrum of, of pursuit of God, you know, or where you've, your history some, some of you may be, like, coming here and going, I don't get this. Why does he have a question? Why has he got his hand in? You, I, you may, wherever you are, I don't know. And I want to help us understand why these things are significant. And I found this uh, really, really, I think it's a pretty helpful chart that expresses, like, there's a, there's a spectrum of growth in how you can, you know, worship God with your hands. The first, you, it's pretty small. You may not be able to see the first you know, for beginners, it's the elbow flap, right? <laughs> Not fully committed. Carry the TV, right? Big screen. Then you get to the intermediate level. My fish was this big. Hold the baby. I love this one. Mufasa. <laughs> but then we become a pro. Double light bulbs, dueling light bulbs, right? Dueling light bulbs. This is probably my favorite. Heartburn. <laughs> there are three variations, the pointer, the hatchet, school, right? Pointer, hatchet, school. And then when you become an expert, of course, village people, rocky, and then touchdown, right? So when you're, when, when you're trying to figure out what all this means, these are steps, and you'll know where you are in terms of your spiritual maturity before God in worship, Right? Super helpful. If you want to copy that, just ask me. I'll send it to you. But let, let, me, just, let me just tell you this, though. Um, in all seriousness, why do we raise our hands? And I want to just share with you. I'm not going to read the verses, but you can write these down. Fact check me. It's, I think you should always fact check stuff. So I'm going to give you a reference. I'm going to tell you at least a few things, a few reasons why we raise our hands in worship. The first, Psalm 63:4, because it praises God. That's the first. The second is it blesses and honors God. That's 1 Kings chapter 8. And then in Psalm 143, verse 6, it says, it is a sign of our physical engagement with the moment. Physically engaging. Uh, it represents offering our hearts. In Lamentations 3, 4, it says, we lift our hearts with our hands as though we're giving God our heart. Or in Proverbs 121, as though we're offering God anything. We lift our hands up. Uh, Isaiah 65, 1 and 2, it's a sign of needing help, right? What do little kids do when they get hurt, right? I need help. It's an admission. And then the final thing that I'll, I'll just share with you is this. It's a sign of surrender, right? I give up. And all of those are expressions physically to what we're experiencing. Again, if our physical expression is the overflow of what's capturing our heart, that's what happens in worship. Worshiping God is not just our voices. It is a physical experience. And singing allows us to connect our emotion to our spirit. 
physical engagement connects the rest of our beings to that experience. And, and uh, I have a feeling some of you may relate to this. Um, I, I remember really specifically, this is, this is years ago, uh, being in a worship service. And uh, they were doing, wor- you know, actually worship music. And uh, I remember feeling like, man, I should raise my hands. Immediately followed by, well, don't wait, you know, you know what people are going to think of you? What about the guy next to you? And, and just immediately, right after that, all of these thoughts about who came into my head? In that worship service, guess who I was actually worshiping? Myself. And I want to tell you something that Satan would love nothing more than in a moment where God is inhabiting the praise for you to turn your thoughts back inward on yourself and prevent you from having the connection with God that he wants to have with you. And I will tell you that when you, rest- you restrain your physical engagement, is, it's like saying, I don't... You ever, you ever go to hug someone and they're like, no, 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 I'm not hugging you, right? That's what it's like. I'm not going to allow myself to fully physically engage with this. And we're robbed of an opportunity that God has put before us to meet with him in a moment, in a significant time. So here's what I want to do. We're going to have the band back up, and we're going to kind of be up and down a little bit today. I hope you're okay with that. We're going to bring the band back up. And here's what I want this, uh, us to do in this next time. Last service I had everyone stand up. I'm not going to do that this service. I'm going to let you guys do something here. And we're going to sing some songs now that we've talked about who God is and what our response could and should be and what God desires it, I want you to do something that may be very hard for you. Wherever you are, if you're the one who never sings, take a step and just sing today. If you're the person who never raises your hand, maybe take a step of raising your hand. Maybe you just stay and read lyrics. Wherever it is, I want you to think about no one else in the room except the God of the universe who's robed in glory and the temple court is filled with his smoky glory and seraphim flying everywhere. I want you to think about that person and just say, God, I'm going to fully let my body engage. If that means laying face first on the floor or standing with your hands as high as you can, just Engage with this God in these next few moments.